Amen and amen. Overflow, thank you so much, man. I, man. I praise the Lord. Thank you for your worship, man. I love your heart, your passion, the variety. God bless you. God's hand is on you. I said in the first service, they ought to get a bus and go on the road, but they've already done that. And so we are so glad you're here. It's a joy for me to worship with you today. Thank you for setting the table for the Word of God. God bless you guys. Thank you. Pastor, thank you for inviting me. I love you. There's, there's no pastor I appreciate respect more than your dear pastor, Dr. Davin. I appreciate him so much. And he's a dear friend. I'm grateful for his faithful ministry through the years. And I'm grateful for your friendship, brother. It's an honor. I know you're blessed, church, but sometimes you don't know what you have till you don't have it. And so I, I'm just grateful for your pastor. Can I get an amen from the church? Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And his staff, they're doing such a phenomenal job navigating these unusual times in which we find ourselves. And I'm so honored and thrilled to be here. I said in the first service, I say again that I'm under his authority. I believe in the authority of the local church. And God has placed him as the shepherd. And I said, and I believe this, you don't open your pulpit up lightly. I know as a pastor. And uh, thank you for trusting me to preach the Word of God today. So I honor you and thank you. I said, if I say anything he disagrees with, you go with him. He's the shepherd. And then God will straighten him out later. Amen. But uh, anyway, I am honored. And I, I, I love First Baptist Church Pelham. It is. And I love your passion. I love your worship. I love your commitment to the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's an honor, and I don't say that lightly. It's a privilege and an honor for me to be here today. Let me jump around the message, and what a great song to springboard from It Is Well right into this message, because my question is, is it truly well with your soul? If not, this is your day. Turn to Isaiah, if you would, chapter 44. It's in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. I'll give you a little hint. It begins with the letter I, okay? Isaiah chapter number 44. And I'm going to speak to you on this subject, living for God in last days. Living for God in last days. I think I could say both of us sometime, if you would just agree with me, we're living in last days, right? I mean, I don't think I have to describe to you. I never dreamed uh, we would be where we're at in my lifetime. It's amazing how far we've drifted from God, from his word. When you read the book of Daniel, when you read the Revelation, I'm telling you, we are living in last days. And I would say if you're ever going to live for God, now is the time because time is running out, not only in this world, but in your life. It's amazing how brief life is. I often say at my church, the older you get, the faster it goes. Now, it's hard for young people to believe that. I look around and see so many teenagers here. It's so good to see you in church today. God bless you. But you just hold on. It's amazing how briefly. How many of you would say, hey, Pastor, I feel older than I am? You had to think about that, didn't you? How many of you do not know how old you are? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand. It's amazing how time flies. It's so amazing. And I'm so grateful. This is a great place to be in God's house. How many of you are glad to be here today? Amen. Isn't it good to be here? God bless you. We welcome you that are online with us too. It's so good to be here. How many of you would rather be here than the best hospital in Birmingham, Alabama? Look at your neighbor, tell them, come on, if you'll cooperate, it'll go quicker. Look at your neighbor, tell them, this is a good place to be. Come on, this is a good place to be. Isaiah 44, so living for God in last days, and so we urgently live for him, why? Because time is flying, and because we're living in last days, if you were ever going to live for God, now is the time. What does that look like in these crazy, mixed-up last days we're in? What does it look like to live for God? Isaiah gives us three very simple instructions of how to do that. He says, first of all, you've got to go back and remember. 
Interesting. Isaiah 44, look at verse 21 if you would. Isaiah 44, 21. And the word says it this way. Remember these things, Jacob, for you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you. You're my servant. Israel, I will not forget you. Now, he tells us to remember. Would you say that with me this morning? Come on, let's shout it out. Remember. Come on, let's say it again. Remember. Listen, if you don't cooperate, the restaurants will eventually close. Come on now. Ready? Remember. And he tells us two things to remember. First of all, remember that I have made you. So the first thing we need to remember is that God created you and me. Now, isn't that incredible? I mean, let that sink in just a moment. God Almighty, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says that when you were in your mother's womb, God formed you, created you. There's no accidents. There's no coincidences. God Almighty created you. Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let that sink in a moment. Stop and think about it. The God of this universe created you. He formed you. The the God of the mighty oceans and the God of the majestic mountains, the God of the gorgeous sunrises and sunsets, God Almighty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that God, he's not some distant being in heaven. That God is your Father. If you know him, you've given your life to Jesus. God Almighty created you. He formed you. You belong to him. What an amazing truth that God created you. My two oldest girls are recent graduates of UAB teaching certificate. They're both single. If you're single and make a, you have a good living, come see me after service. But anyway, I remember telling them, now when you go off to college now, this is a state college, and so you'll probably run into some liberal professor who can't get this mailbox in back that's going to tell you, you evolved, you came from some monkey. I said, don't you believe a second of how ridiculous that is, how silly that is to think of that, that we evolved from a monkey. I've never gone to the zoo one time and looked at the monkey and said, you know what, that looks like my granddad over there. Of course not. How silly that is. Someone has written, once I was a tadpole, beginning to begin. Then I was a fish with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey swinging from a tree. And now I'm a professor with a PhD. How crazy is that, right? I'm telling you that God Almighty created you. And God created me. That means, if that's true, and it is, that means that my value, my my self-esteem, my self-identity is not in me, but it's in him. My significance, my value is not in my accomplishments. It's not in my job. It's not in my career. It's not in my education. It's not in degrees. My significance, my self-esteem, my identity is based in the fact that one day as an eight-year-old boy at the Glendale Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky, just north of Nashville, Tennessee, I repented of my sin. I turned from my sin and I trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ of Calvary and I gave my life to God all and that day Jesus Christ came into my life as an eight-year-old boy he saved me he forgave me he redeemed me he delivered me he set me free has anybody in the house been set free today come on give him praise every now and then I'll run into someone and say pastor you got saved when you're eight I mean, can you really be saved when you did you really understand it all? Did, did, you under, did, did you really have a clear grasp of what you're doing? Did you understand everything? And my answer is no. And I still don't. But I knew I needed Jesus as my Savior. I knew that my sin had separated me from a holy God. I knew that I needed to turn from my sin and invite Jesus Christ in my life. And I'm telling you, that day God changed my life. I've never been the same. God created you.
If I could walk around this gorgeous worship center and look each of you in the eye, six foot away from you, and say to you, God created you, man. And young person, God created you. And God created you. And God created you. And God created you. And sir, God, ma'am, God created you. And ma'am, way up there, God created you. And you up there in the sound booth, put that Coca-Cola down. I'm telling you, God created you. Yeah, God created you. And ma'am, God created you. And young person right on the front, yes, God created you. It's an incredible thought. It blows my mind. You've got to remember in these last days that God is still on his throne and God created you. And he says, secondly, not only did God create you, but he said, God will not forget you. Do you see that? I will not forget you. Now, how incredibly significant that is in the days in which we find ourselves. It's been a hard season for the last 18 months, hasn't it? For all of us. And particularly for churches, too. I would say your pastor and staff have done a phenomenal job trying to navigate doing ministry during COVID and, and all that's happening. And still we're battling. Someone told me the other day, you, from this point forward, you will have two churches. You'll have one in person and one online. And that, that's kind of difficult to navigate. How do we do that? We've never been down this road before. Your pastor and your staff are doing a phenomenal job. But it's during these discouraging, sometimes disillusioning, quite honestly, sometimes depressing days, when it seems like every godly value, every godly principle that we love and live for has been taken from us or is under attack, these are difficult, dark days. If you're a conservative Bible-believing Christian, these are unusual times in which we find ourselves. And it's during that moment when we're most vulnerable that the enemy comes along and will whisper, hey, look, see, God doesn't know you exist. God doesn't care about you. In fact, God's not even on his throne anymore. God's asleep. God's dead. God doesn't care about you. And you've got to remind yourself in these days, yes, it may be dark. Yes, it may be discouraging. It might even be disillusioning. But I've got to remember, my God is still on this throne. And if God is for me, who can be against me? And I've got to tell the enemy, you don't know my God. Because my God knows me. My God loves me. My God defends me. My God delivers me. My God protects me. My God provides for me. Oh, I'm telling you, if God is for me who can be against me my God will never forget me in fact the Bible says he knows me by name and the Bible says every hair on my head if I've got any every hair on my head is numbered and I want to say to you God will not forget you in these last days can I get an amen in the church I think about Arthur, he's 90 years old, he loves to golf, he comes in one day and says, I'm done, I'm finished. His wife said, why? I can't see the ball any longer. She said, oh no, that's no problem, take my brother with you. He says, your brother's 103 years old. He said, I know, but he has perfect eyesight. He said, that's true, I'll do it. He grabs his brother-in-law, the next day he goes out to golf, puts that ball on the first tee, smacks it down the middle of the fairway, turns to a 103-year-old brother and said, now, did you see it? And he said, you know I saw it, I have perfect eyesight. He said, well, where did it go? He said, I don't remember. I'm telling you, God will not forget you. God Almighty created you. What a great truth that is. So when you remember, 
how great and how awesome and how wonderful God is and he created me, he won't forget me and I belong to him. Then secondly, I should return to him. That's the very next verse. That's verse 21. Look at verse 22. The Bible says very clearly, I've swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. So what, did you, what should I do? Return to me, God says, for I have redeemed you. And he gives us two very simple, clear reasons in these last days that we should return to God. We ought to run to God. It blows me away, overflow. It, it, just, it, it just shocks me to death, Pastor, that when things become tough in the days we find ourselves in, that many of God's people, rather than running to the house of God, rather than to the throne of God, they run away from God. It just blows me away. Hadn't seen somebody in a while, we'll follow up with them, and I'll say, hey, hadn't seen you. Well, life's kind of turned sour, and I'm facing some storms. I've had some heartaches, and we lost our job, and facing sickness, and facing it, and, and so we just decided to quit church, and I just want to kind of knock on their noggin. Are you serious? Have you lost your marbles or are you cuckoo? Listen, when life is falling apart, you don't run from God. You run to God. And why do we return to God? Two very simple theological reasons. Number one, because only God can forgive you. Only God forgives sins. He says, in fact, that I will sweep away your offenses, your sins like a cloud. I'm so grateful that God still forgives sinners. Amen. Has anybody in the house had your sins forgiven? Come on, lift your hands and wave them a little bit. Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. And you may be saying in a crowd this size, well, pastor, you don't know me. You don't know the issues in my life. You don't know the trouble I've been in. You don't know how far I've drifted, how far, how deeply I've sunk. No, I don't, but I know this, I know God. And I know his blood is deep enough and wide enough and strong enough to forgive you of your sins and set you free. And whom the Son sets free, he is free indeed. I'm telling you, this day, this could be your day. This could be the day you re repent of your sin, you turn from your sin, and you turn to God Almighty and say, God, would you do in me what I cannot do myself? And I'll guarantee you this, you'll never regret it. Pastor, I've never met a person, ever, not one person, who's ever given their heart and life to Jesus Christ who says, I regret it. I wish I hadn't done it. He didn't keep his promise. He, he's alive. I, I wish I, didn't, I regret giving my life to Is there anybody here in your right mind? You gave your life to Jesus and you regret it. You say, I wish I hadn't done it. Anybody at all like that? Is there anybody here who would say, you know, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It's the greatest decision I've ever made in life. In fact, I would go on record as saying, I highly recommend Jesus. Does anybody highly recommend Jesus? Come on. Amen? Yeah. This could be your day. Only God can forgive your sin. In fact, only God can only forgive you, but only God can redeem you. Notice he says, secondly, return to me. Why? For I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. We don't use that word redeemed much. It's a, a theological word that literally means to buy back. The Bible says he, he bought us back. The precious blood of Jesus buys us back from the hand of the enemy. In old day, times before we would, we would redeem. How many of y'all remember, you ever heard of a thing called a coupon? You, you ever heard of those, you know? Do you remember my, my mother, I'll never forget, she loved the Sunday paper. You know why? Huh? Yeah, had all the coupons in it, right? And I remember she'd get that old Sunday paper and it was about that thick, you know, and she'd spread out all those coupons, all those magazines, and she'd get scissors and she'd cut for like seven and a half weeks, man. She'd have all these coupons. And I can remember even years ago going to the store and I would go through the type A, you know, I'd go through that checkout, that fast express lane. And every now and then somebody get in front of me that had a coupon in that fast checkout lane. 
And they'd be checking out milk or something, looking for a coupon, trying to find five cents off. Here it is. Oh, hold on, I got it. Hang on just a second. I got it ready. Da, da, da. Alphabetically trying to get to the end. Finally pull it. Oh, no, that one's expired. No, let's go to the next one. And I'm sitting there the whole time. Come on, girl. This is the fast checkout line. Don't pull out a coupon in the fast checkout line. Finally, I just throw a quarter down. Say, here, here's 25 cents. Take it and run. And they always put, I don't know why this seems to be the case, they always seem to put the slowest checkout employees in the fast checkout lane. Are you kidding me, right? They want to talk about the weather and the sports and that. I said, look, just beep the milk. I got to get out of here. Beep it. I'm going to do it myself. Beep. Here we go. Come on, let's go. We used to redeem the coupons. What was that? You'd redeem it, right? And here the Bible says we have been redeemed. Watch this now. Not with perishable things such as silver and gold, 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad he still forgives sins? Aren't you glad he still forgives sinners? And by the way, one thing I love about First Baptist Pelham is this is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. I tell our folks all the time, look, if you don't have any troubles, you don't have any trouble, trials, you don't have any issues, I mean, your life's perfect, don't join our church because we will mess you up. <laughs> so just for a moment, kind of remove your mask. In fact, look at your neighbor. Help me preach, would you? Look at your neighbor. Say this with a smile. In COVID, I said, say it, but don't spray it. Look at a neighbor beside you and tell them you've got issues. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You've got issues, yes. Now, this dear lady is telling everybody around her, look, she's telling everybody, you got, and you got it, and I know you got issues. And, yeah, you got issues too. I, I love when I see folks been married a long time, 30, 40, 50 years, that husband, he'll turn and say, you, I ain't going to tell her that preacher. I got to go home with her. I, I, I do get it. I understand. But I'm telling you, that's why Jesus came, to save us from our issues, Right? I mean, I, I'm telling you, take your mask off. My, my family, my wife and I, we discovered our best arguments happened on the way to church. I remember when our kids were younger, we had three girls, three girls, and then my wife. In fact, my youngest girl came to me just the other day. She's 18 now, freshman in college. And she said to me, Dad, you need to dye your hair. You're on television. Some of you, you, need, you got too much gray hair. And I said, I'm not going to do it. She said, why? I said, because I want people to know the price I paid for living with four women. And I can remember when they're young, man, I'd, I'd get ready, you know, and I'd pass in a little small church, love it. Man, I'd get up in the morning, I'd shave, get almost suit ready to go, man, study my message on patience. I'd be out in the driveway in the car honking my horn, hurry up, we got to get to church, I'm the preacher, come on, hurry up, hurry up. My wife's in there batting those three girls, trying to get them all ready, got so much hairspray going, you need an albuterol treatment, and, and they're just, I'm, and finally, after about 45 minutes an hour, they'd finally come dragging out, I think, good night, it's about time, I kick a door open for my wife. Three girls jump in the back. My wife gets one leg in. I take off down the driveway, dragging the other one down the street. Come on, honey. We're going to church. And all the way to church, those three kids in that back seat, three girls arguing and fighting and fussing. She's sitting on my side. She, tear, she couldn't say her answer. She's tearing at me, Daddy. She's breathing my air. She's touching me. And I said, I'm going to touch somebody. We're going to church and get spiritual fight all the way to church, man. Pull in that church parking lot, kick that door open, look at somebody and say, good morning, brother. <laughs> we'll finish this later. Now, why do you laugh? You, how many of you been there? Some of you there this morning? Come on. Yeah. I saw you in the parking lot. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I'm so grateful the blood of Jesus Christ can wash our sins away. Why do we return to God? 
Because only God can forgive sin. Only God can redeem our souls. Now hear me, I don't want you to miss this truth. Hear me, this is the danger. I tell folks all the time, overflow, I say to them, look, pastor, I say, Burnham is an incredible place to raise a family. It's a challenging place to do ministry. You say, why? Because everybody has religion. That's just, we're in the Bible Belt. <laughs> well, I, I'm born a Christian. I, I grew up in church. I, I've always been in church my whole life. Billy Graham said 75% of church members are lost, never been saved. I'm not trying to manipulate your emotions today. If you know you're saved, praise God. Be confident. Be bold. Celebrate that. But if all you got is religion, religion, can I say it this way? Religion ain't going to cut it in the last days. If all you've ever done is walk an aisle, if all you've ever done is got church membership, if all you've ever done is be dunked in a baptistry, if all you've ever done is pray at the altar and you had an emotional moment, but it hadn't changed your life, if that's all you got, I'm telling you today, only the blood of Jesus Christ can wash your sins away. Jesus said, in the last days, many will say to me. Somebody say many in the house. Would you say that? Many. Come on, one more time. Many. Many will say to me in those last days, didn't I prophesy in your name? I mean, Jesus didn't. Didn't I cast out demons? We're talking about. We're not talking about nominal believers now. These folks cast out demons. Didn't I prophesy in your name? Did, didn't I? In other words, did didn't I attend church every week? Wasn't I active at First Baptist Pelham? Didn't I sing in a group? Didn't didn't I sing in the choir? Didn't I, didn't I teach? Didn't I go to Sunday school? Didn't I lead a small group? I mean, I mean, hey man, I, didn't I hand out worship guys? What wasn't I involved in leadership? And Jesus will say, "Depart from me." I never, I think the saddest words in all of God's Word, I never knew you. Does He know you? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not asking, are you a great friend, a good neighbor, a kind person? I'm grateful for that. Have you ever truly repented of your sin and made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior? Has that ever happened? Several years ago, I was preaching a revival. The pastor had graciously invited me to preach the revival, and I did. And we extended the invitation, and the pastor came down and got on his knees and began to pray. Folks gathered around him, prayed over him. I'm thinking he must be carrying some burden. Maybe there's an illness in his family, a challenge in the church. I began to kind of pray for him at a distance. And after a few moments, he stood up and they announced to the church that the pastor had just gotten saved. He'd invited me to preach the revival. He was the, he was the senior pastor. He was the leader of the church, and he'd just gotten saved. And some of the deacons afterwards came to me. They kind of cornered me after the service. True story. And they asked me, what are we going to do? And I had no idea what they were talking about. I said, what do you mean? They said, what are we going to do? I said, what are you talking about? Well, our pastor, he's been here five years. He just got saved. How do we handle that? And I kid you not, I said, well, give him a raise. He's going to preach a whole lot better now. He's saved. <laughs> I'm just telling you today, 
If you're relying on church membership, if you're relying on religion, if you're relying on trying to be the best person you can be, if you're relying on anything other than the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Only Jesus Christ can save your soul. And what better day today than to come and give your life to Jesus Christ. I promise you'll never regret it a day in your life. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I don't care what you've done or where you've been. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus Christ can wash you clean. And there's nothing like being clean in Jesus' name. Set free. Romans says no shame. No conscience condemnation. You can walk out of here with your shoulders back and your head held high. Hey, Jesus has set me free. What a great day that would be in the house of God. Could you give him some praise in the house today? Remember and return. And when you do those two things, lastly, you will rejoice. It's just the natural reaction, the natural repercussion. When you remember who God is, and I belong to this great God, and I've returned to him because he forgave me and he redeemed me. What's going to happen? You're going to rejoice. And he tells us how you're going to rejoice. Verse 23, he says, you will sing and you will shout. Notice it. You sing aloud, right? We sing for joy, the Bible says, verse 23. And the Bible says we shout aloud. We're going to sing and we're going to shout. We're going to sing and we're going to shout. Did you know singing is simply an expression on the outside of the joy of Jesus you have on the inside? I mean, really, honestly, church, if you've been saved, if you I know these are dark days, these are weird, discouraging, crazy days we're living, but I've been sitting here to remind you, listen, God's not asleep. He's not dead. He's still on his throne. And if you know him, I said, if you know him, there ought to be some joy on the inside of you. You just cannot keep quiet. There's just a song that comes bursting out because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Psalm 47, 6 says it four times. Sing to the Lord. Sing to God. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the King. No one should have to get up here and prime your pump. Nobody should have to get up here and say, hey, hadn't you had your sins forgiven? Anybody else had your sins forgiven? Well, tell your face, evidently, it ain't got the message. You know what I'm saying? You look out here, are you kidding me? Oh, listen, when Jesus saves you and sets you free, he gives you a song, and a song the world can't take away because the world didn't give it to you. And I know these are dark days, but I got to remind myself, in the end, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And what a day that will be. My CDs are right out there by theirs, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you, when God gets a hold of your life, he gives you a song. Listen to me. Has the enemy stole your song? Or maybe you never had a song because all you had was religion. You get your song back today, you're going to sing. But secondly, you're going to shout. Verse 23, Isaiah 44 says, we will sing for joy. And then it says, we will shout aloud. Look right there, that third line. Shout aloud. Would you read that with me? Come on, let's shout that out together. Come on, ready? Here we go. Shout aloud. Come on, one more time. Shout aloud. Yeah, we're going to shout. Did you know shouting can be a part of worship in those right opportune times? 
energetic enthusiasm when God's been so good to you. You just got to have a sh- Now, we shout. Typically, we just shout at our kids or we shout at our spouse. I've done that a little bit. I, probably you have too. I've been married now. be 35 years next summer. My wife and I have discovered, in 35 years now, we've discovered our, listen, we've discovered that we have an argument when we're hungry or tired. That's just, that's what we've discovered. I'm convinced most marriages could be saved with a nap and a ribeye. I truly believe that. I really do. <laughs> Folks will call the church in trouble. My marriage is in trouble, preacher. I need to talk to you. I need to sit down. We got problems. We got issues. I said, no, no, no. I'm not going to talk to you until you take a nap and eat a ribeye. It, it's amazing. They never call back. They're fine after that. Shouting. The Bible says, shout to the Lord, all the earth. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. There's going to be a shout when you, God gets a hold of your life. In fact, you know shouting here only prepares us for shouting there. Did you know we're going to be some shouting in heaven? <laughs> and our worship down here prepares us worship there. In fact, turn there. I, I share it with you. It's Revelation chapter 7. Turn there. Look at it. It's right there in the scripture. You do know that Revelation is us in the future. Anybody in the house a God follower? You, you're, you're a Christ, you've been born again by Jesus. Would you lift your hand? You say, as far as I know, I'm a Christian. Come on, wave it around. Come on, put both hands up. Pump them a little bit. Come on, that's the most exercise some of you done a week. You're good. You're good to go now. Now watch this. Revelation 7. This is us. This is you. This is me in the future. This will blow your mind. This is so exciting. This is what we're going to be doing. People ask me all the time, preacher, what are we going to do in heaven? I don't, I don't have all that. I know two things about heaven. There'll probably be a super Walmart somewhere in heaven. I'm just guessing that. And number two, I believe we'll be watching reruns of Andy Griffith. But anyway, so what are we going to do in heaven? We're going to shout. Look at it. Revelation 7, verse 9. And after this, I looked, and there and before me was a great multitude. Somebody say great multitude. Yeah, it's going to be a big place. Folks every now and then will say, well, you know, I'd love to come to Gardner First Baptist, much like First Baptist Pelham, but it's such a, it's such a big church. I said, well, what are you going to do in heaven? And I said, but I'll tell you, our church is not that big. Just sit on the front row and don't look back. It's not that big. Not that big. There's a great multitude. No one could count. And I love this about heaven. They're from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. If you don't have a gospel for everyone, you don't have a gospel for anyone. And I know this church has the heartbeat of our church. You're welcome in this place. For God so loved the whole world. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. They're from every tribe, people, language. And we're standing before the throne and we're wearing white robes. And we're holding palm branches in our hands. And watch what we're doing. And they cried out in a quiet voice. Imagine in heaven. No, there's going to be such passion and such energy. You're going to lose your, some of your wives. You're not going to recognize your husband. You're going to have to take a nitroglycerin tablet. That guy up there is going to lose his mind up there. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the left. Remember, there's so many people you can't even count them, and they're shouting at the top of their lungs. You say, well, I don't shout. Maybe you won't be there. I don't know, but I'm telling you, you're going to get so caught up when you're at the throne of God looking at the Lamb of God, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to have a shout come over you. Why do we sing? Why do we shout? Because God has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We have a a reservation made in heaven. 
In fact, let me just land the plane that way. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll read it to you. Verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. Somebody in the house say great mercy. Come on, great mercy. And he has given us new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance, our salvation, is kept in heaven for you. Some translations even use the word reserved in heaven for you. That's the word picture. It's a reservation made in heaven that no one can steal, no one can counsel. It's there waiting on us. What a great truth that is. Do you have a reservation in heaven? Uh, my wife and I, after we were first married, we were pastoring a little small church in West Kentucky, and we wanted to attend the Southern Baptist Convention. This is years and years ago, and, and it was going to be held in Dallas, Texas. And so I got on the phone to make a reservation. And back in those days, young people, you're not going to believe this, we did not have the Internet. Yes, it's frightening. <laughs> It is. It's shocking. It's frightening. We didn't have cell phones. We, didn't have, we couldn't Google and look up a hotel, and we couldn't read all the reviews. And No, no, no. You just by faith had to make a phone call, and you had to dial. This is going to shock you. You had to dial the phone. Now, hit the wrong, and then, then you got to start all over. When you, know, you messed up, didn't get it all the way over. And he, remember those days? Anybody in the house remember those days? Young people, Google it. It happened. It was real. The other day, my, I told my, my daughter the other day, I said, do you realize when I grew up, we didn't have a remote for the television? <laughs> she said, what did you do? I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, this is going to rock your mind. It's going to blow you away. We had to get up off the couch. <laughs> she said, God forbid. I said, yes, we had to get up off the couch and literally turn the channel. Click, 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 right? You only had three channels. Had an antenna, but I won't go there anyway. It's another story. Where was I? Somebody help me. Where was I? Yeah, reservation. Thank you. Okay, good deal. <laughs> My folks are used to that. So anyway, yeah, reservation. Yeah, exactly. So we made this reservation, right? And we get in our little car. It was, I remember it was a, we had one car, a little old blue Toyota Tercels, held together by bumper stickers and prayer, man. You know, it's incredible. And we got in that little old car, and we putt-putted all the way to Dallas, Texas, to the Southern Baptist Convention. 30 or 40,000 at that time were coming to the convention. It was incredible. And I had the directions, and I had a map, a physical map. Y'all remember those days? You get it unfold, you couldn't fold the thing back, you find it, just crunch it up, shove it in the glove compartment, right? You know? We pulled in that parking lot. I'll never forget it. Was, man, it was, that, that hotel was, it was breathtaking. We pulled in that parking lot of that hotel and all these big fancy cars were there and here we come in there put 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 Fred Flintstone we're driving it with our feet you know and I remember pulling in that little parking place you know between these two expensive cars and I just told her don't bump the cars don't touch them you know and she said is this a hotel I said there's no way this can be the hotel there's no way we have a reservation here no way stay here I'll go in and make sure but I know it's not gonna be the case so I grabbed my luggage my two Walmart plastic bags and I walked into the uh, into that lobby and that lobby was just lit up man spacious big old chandelier and expensive old you know circular steps going up and gold rails and, and I looked over side and there was 
to pastors, to pastors, seasoned pastors, older pastors, had big old cowboy hats as big as the state of Texas, buck buckles as big as a football, had on silk suits and every like alligator boots, you know, and had their leather luggage, you know, and I'm in there with my two Walmart bags, you know, and I can hear them arguing with the lady up front, you know, well, we, we made a reservation, well, we don't have a reservation here, we're sorry, sir, well, we need to, we, have, we don't have any rooms, we're sorry, we don't have a reservation, and they just kept, well, we called, we made the reservation, we don't, do you have a confirmation? No, well, I don't have your reservation, they just kind of, finally, she just said, sirs, you're just going to have to step aside, you don't have a reservation here. And she looked up to me, and I was about 8 or 10, 12 feet back, and she said, can I help you? And I said, I don't think so. She said, do you have a reservation here? I said, I doubt it. I doubt it. Well, what's your name? And I told her my name. My name is Kevin Ham. And she said, back in those days, she said, didn't have the computer. Let, let me check. Let me check the book. She'd run her finger down through there, and she said, oh, yeah. Did you say Kevin Ham? Yeah, Mr. Kevin Ham. And she looked up at me, and she said, we've got you right here. We got your name right here. It's in the book. We've been expecting you. Boy, when she said, we've been expecting you, I dropped my two Walmart bags. I looked over at those two fancy preachers and said, they've been expecting me. <laughs> I said, get out of the way, fellas. I walked up there, and she gave me the key to our room and picked up my Walmart bags and walked right by those pastors, you know. Walked back out to my car, and Kim said, well, where are we going? I said, we staying right here, honey. We got a reservation. They've been expecting us. I said, would you grab the other Walmart bags and let's go on inside? <laughs> I'll never forget that. My wife, tell you, she said, on, if she said she'd tell you, that's honest God's truth. Never forgotten that day. Every time I read this scripture and I think about our salvation, what an amazing truth. If you've repented of your sin and made Jesus Christ your Lord, what a great day it will be when you get to heaven and God the Father will say to God the Son, hey, check the book. Check the Lamb's book of life. Is there a name there? Oh, yes. I see it right here. We've been expecting you. Come on in. Do you have a reservation? Do you? I'm not asking, are you a member of the church? Have you ever been baptized? Have you ever attended vacation Bible school? Have you ever given tithes and offerings? you ever prayed in a time of crisis? I'm asking, do you, sir? Do you, ma'am? Do you, young person? Do you have a reservation in heaven paid for by the blood of Jesus? If you don't or you're unsure, this is your day. This church has been planning and praying for this very moment for you. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Thank you for listening. Now, I don't want you to miss what, the, what God is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Hear me now. If you allow Him, the enemy will rob you of what God has put in your heart. This is your moment right here. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus or you're unsure of that, there's no better day, there's no better time than right here, right now. And I want to do something a little unusual, maybe something just a little bold. Our pastor is going to be standing right down front here. And I'm going to ask you, if that's you, in just a moment, even before they sing, they're just going to play a little bit. I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. Because the Bible says, if you will not confess me before men, Jesus said, I will not confess you before my Father. Jesus went to the cross publicly, and he's calling you today to follow him publicly. And if that's you today, 
Would you give your pastor the incredible privilege of an opportunity of leading you to Jesus right down front here? Right here. Right now. Today. In a moment, I'm going to say amen. And when I do, I'm just going to ask you to just get up from where you're at. Right here in front of this huge crowd. And just walk down front. You won't have to say a word just by your mere walking front to him. He'll meet you right down front. You're not alone. He'll meet you right there. You're simply saying, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. The real deal. I want to know that I know that I know I have a reservation in heaven. All you have to do is just get up and come. He'll know exactly what you're saying. He'll help you. The enemy will say, well, don't do that. It's time for lunch. or They'll keep you till next Tuesday. No, no, those are lies from the enemy. He just doesn't want you to be set free today. This is your moment. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. This is the moment. You can come by yourself. Or you could come with a friend. Hey, would you go with me? You might even say, if you'd like to go, I'll go with you. You could come with your family. You could come with your spouse. You could come with your children. But come. They sang it earlier. Come. Come to the cross. Come. Come. You say, well, I, I, I didn't plan on making that decision. I know that's how God operates. He brought you here this day to change your life. This Sunday before Thanksgiving of 2021, you'll remember it the rest of your life. That's the day I gave my life to Jesus. Would you do it? I know your palms are sweaty, your heart's racing. That's not indigestion. That's the conviction of God. I've been there. We've all been there. Let me tell you what's going to happen when you get up to walk down this aisle. You just meet your pastor right down front. Oh, yeah, he'll know exactly what to do. You won't have to say a word. He'll know exactly how to handle it. When you do that, this church is going to erupt in applause because the Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven when someone comes to Jesus. And we're not going to wait to heaven to rejoice. We couldn't be more excited for you. And you're in a house full of friends. They've made that same decision at some point, and they couldn't be more thrilled for you to make that decision right here, right now. Are you ready? Would you do it? Young person, come on, mama, dad, single adult, grandma, grandpa, from the balcony on the main floor, just find your way right down here. Just come. Meet pastor right down front here. Would you do it? This is your day, Lord, right now, in this moment. Give courage, give boldness. We rebuke any spirit but the Holy Spirit in this place right now. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in that name we pray. The name of Jesus. Are you ready? I'm going to say amen. When I do, don't wait, don't think about it, don't talk about it. I'm just going to ask you to get up to your feet and just meet our pastor right down front here. They'll begin singing. Are you ready? In Jesus' name.